You're listening to Grindhouse Courthouse. We put movies on trial to determine whether or not a film has committed too many movie misdemeanors to be considered viewable. Please rise for the Honorable Judge this episode. Hello, everyone. Before we begin today, I have something important that I need to tell you. We here at Grindhouse Courthouse will never support Apple or any of its products. Adam knows why. Please tweet him at at... He loves to interact with fans on a very personal level. Welcome to today's episode about Highlander. Highlander is a movie released in 1986 with a runtime of 110 minutes. It cost $19 million to make and was directed by Russell Mulcahy, a guy who had only directed music videos at that point. The cast includes Christopher Lambert, who didn't speak English uh, while they were filming the movie, Clancy Brown, who many of you will know is the voice of Mr. Krabs, and Sean Connery as an Egyptian masquerading as a Spanish courtesan disguised as a competent metallurgist. But we'll get to that nonsense later. Uh, also, studio involvement nearly screwed everything up and Queen did a bunch of songs for this movie. But you're right. We, we, should, we should start right at the beginning. So Highlander opens with a man at a place doing a thing. Then another man shows up in another place. They fight. The first man wins. That's your opening of Highlander. Is everybody on board so far? I know I was excited. <laughs> so far, yes. So we meet Highlander, a.k.a. Connor McLeod. He's got a Japanese sword. We meet another businessman, also in a trench coat. He's got a Spanish-looking sword. They fight. One man is decapitated, and then we meet the forensic sword historian, because that's a job in this movie. So, like, the stage is set. It's a little mysterious, but at least we know we're in 1980s uh, Madison Square Gardens, even though, like, throughout the movie, then they keep talking about the crime having been committed in Jersey when it's, like, it's, like, right in the middle of New York City. But anyway, (laughs) this sets the stage for this sword historian cop or something like that (laughs) to start unraveling the mystery that is being an immortal and this particular immortal who is called the Highlander. That's the entire movie. And we see the movie from her perspective, right? And it's not a bunch of scenes flipping back and forth between past and present like I fucking hate. Yeah, that, right? would, that would be nonsense, right? Yeah. That would be confusing. And it's through the eyes of all the girls he's boinked before. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you kind of get... That's actually kind of true, right? That's, that's really yeah. how they punctuate this movie. It's just and all the do, different yeah. boinkings. So yeah. let's start with um, the first girl that he boinks when he's riding off to battle in the year of our Lord, 1536, as we announce when we're running off to go fight some Scotsmen. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> so Connor McLeod is just some fucking Yahoo from the Highlands, which is why they call him the Highlander. He runs out to a fight where Clancy Brown is waiting for him to stab him and take his head because I'm going to say the line, guys. There can only be one. You but, said it wrong, but okay. There can be only one. Oh, there can be only one. Gotcha. Okay. If you say it enough times, it starts to mean something, right? Like Yeah, it's like Candyman. Like the quickening? As the the movie does, yeah. There can be only one. Even though the movie shows us that for like 4,000 years, there are multiple and they do nothing about it. Only at the end (laughs) of this movie is there one. But there's just, there's several and there are no problems. Uh, They talk about it's, it's because of the gathering. The gathering is happening. Okay. So, so before we even get to where Connor discovers uh, he's immortal, let's talk about the gathering. So the gathering is when there's only a few immortals left and then they all feel a call to a foreign land. Mm-hmm. Can we all agree on that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How, how does it determine when there's no more immortals being born? Because all the other immortals that we meet in the movie were born well prior to Connor McLeod. Yes. So were they gathering prior to, and then like another one was born and they're like, oh, fuck, gathering's off. Sorry, everybody disperse. You got you to go hang out in Fiji for 500 years. <laughs> How, what, are, what are the rules? Well, that's what Adam, the rules are. You answer. Don't <laughs> 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 clear. Visibly upset about me having to explain what the Highlander rules are. I don't think there are any rules. Like Sean Connery tries to take a stab at uh, explaining to Takes the a stab. crowd. <laughs> uh, tries to explain what it means to be immortal and certain things that he should be prepared about, such as if you lose your head, you're dead, but you can live forever. You also can't pass your seed, so if you had a child, they would not become immortal. And 
I think Sean Connery also mentions that. Okay, let me take over and answer it correctly. So, um, what was the question again? <laughs> so, this is why we can't let Adam uh, answer these questions. Yeah, just let me be in there for just like <laughs> random zingers. <laughs> I can't answer any questions about Highlander today because the movie makes no right. goddamn no, sense. No, it's 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 it makes perfect right. sense. So the the setup, the system is inherently unfair. Because when we meet Connor McCloud, he's clearly, he doesn't even know that he's an immortal. So he's just lived a mortal life for the last, whatever, 27 years or something like that. But the other immortals he meets, some of them are thousands and thousands of years old. So how is that? Like, if you're the first immortal born and you're like, well, I'm not going to fucking make it to the gathering. I got to survive another 7,000 years versus and like the last immortal born would have the best chance of reaching the gathering because at but, least you don't have to fight for so long true but then they would be so what if you were the newest immortal but you were like a 300 pound dude and you're like oh shit i need to get in shape for all this uh sword fighting they address this in the show when they have a mentally handicapped immortal and they're like what the fuck do we do now and the answer was suicide. They have the handicapped immortal commit suicide. It sounds like they handled that really tastefully, like really great. Well, it was really the 90s. And you can kind of do, do whatever you want. And like, no one could say shit. The latest immortal would have zero experience. They wouldn't know what's going on. They wouldn't have the training. They wouldn't have the knowledge. They wouldn't have these rules uh, provided to them. So they would be confused for probably like hundreds of years until they bump into another immortal and learn this knowledge. That's that where the fucking is. and sucking comes in, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we can't... I know everyone's really excited to talk about the fucking and sucking, but we haven't got there yet. So Connor McLeod is still strolling down the field. No one at the battle will fight him. But then Clancy Brown shows up and stabs him in the lungs. Uh, and he's like, there can only be one. And he goes to cut his head off. But all of his bros tackle uh, the Kurgan and it's like, Connor, we love you too much to die. Everybody with me so far? Right. It's a really compelling movie. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, so they, they haul him off back home. They haul, they haul him off to, back home to die. He doesn't die. They're like, you're a fucking witch! And they tie him up and they like headbutt him and like punch him in the stomach. And they're like, burn him! Burn him! Which he'd probably walk away from. It's only decapitation that would do it. I'm not saying it wouldn't hurt, but he yeah. would theoretically be fine. Would he keep the burns or would his skin go back to normal? That's Yeah, that's a really good question. Because again, we don't know the, the rules behind a Highlander and what their body can handle or how they adapt to. You're completely right. So let's keep talking about it, and maybe these rules will come true. So uh, Connor McCloud <laughs> fucks off into the hills for a long, long time. Uh, he meets uh, his second uh, boinking victim, I, I think is a good way to describe <laughs> yes. it. Uh, this is Her name's Heather, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And they boink for a while uh, until the best character in the movie shows up, Sean Connery. Uh, does anyone know what Sean Connery's character's name is? I was just about to ask that. I was like, what was his actual Ramirez. Name? Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. And which is <laughs> and what, which, what's his job? What's his, what's Can his you job? Can say all it is in his <laughs> yeah. accent, please? In his accent? No, no. Oh, God. Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. I think I said Ramirez. that about just as well as he did. Yeah, yeah, but perfect. that's because, yeah. and you can, you can excuse that because even though he has a clearly a Spanish name and everyone calls him Spanish, he is quick to correct you and say that he is Egyptian. So we have Sean Carter, who's like the most Scottish person alive. Well, maybe not alive, but Scottish person ever, but he's Egyptian, but he's Spanish. This makes no sense. And he's explained to some French guy who can barely speak English at all, who is supposed to be Scottish. <laughs> I don't, why just make him Scottish. What's wrong with that? Yeah. It, I mean, it has to be that they they had Sean Connery slotted for the role of Connor McLeod, and he literally just aged out of the role because they couldn't get, like, funding or something. And they're like, well, fuck. I mean, Sean Connery was on board from the get-go. What do we do now? We're like, ah, let's make him an Egyptian Spaniard or something. And they're like, <laughs> well, that makes no fucking sense. Who's going to be the Scotsman? Get a French guy. All right. Well... <laughs> And he's he's dressed in this red velour pimp suit with a cape that's made out of peacock feathers. Like it's it's pretty ballin. There I are some there are some choices were made here. It's like, still only the second craziest outfit that Sean Connery has ever had to wear, though. Does anyone know the first? <laughs> no, no. He's got a red. I do, but I'm not going to say anything. 
No, you have to because I forget what the movie is. I just know I just have the image <laughs> in my head. Sardoz. There you go. It's Sardoz. Sardoz so, is a great movie. Pa- paint a picture for what he wears in that movie. <laughs> Zardoz? Even better. He's wearing very little in Zardoz, right? He's got like uh like and I'm doing this from memory. It's been a while. He's got like riveted, oh studded my. suspenders. And uh yeah, Dave, you're looking at a picture right now. Describe it to us. The man bikini. <laughs> yeah. Like red crisscross sus- suspenders, and oh. I think he's got a ponytail, a right? A wicked ponytail and a sweet revolver. Man, that's that's stylish. People remember Sean Connery as James Bond, but I remember him as Zardoz and that creepy fucking weirdo who showed up to groom an immortal who didn't know any better. <laughs> so he he shows up and he's, he's he goes, oh, "You're my brother." That's my best Sean Connery brother. We're the same. And then the quickening happens, and there's lightning strikes. Heather, his yeah. wife, is like, oh, Connor, let me help you. And he goes, women, get inside while I fucking suck my immortal brother. I think those were the exact words. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with hitting women. Oh, my God. You can't say that, Ramirez. Um, but, we okay. We're, we're, so, you mentioned the quickening. I yeah. know. I'm trying to go over but, it. Yeah, the quickening happened. <laughs> I'm trying to also set it up to you. I'm not, because there's no explaining it. But please. Please, what is the quickening? A second puberty. A second immortal puberty. So you go through puberty, right? And it changes you. So does the quickening. And it has nothing to do with cutting off another immortal's head. That's something else. That's another so, power okay. up. Okay, so I am clearly... It's some con- kind of magic. Yeah, so I'm clearly confused. So the quickening, second puberty, this defines you as an immortal now. You get the lightning mm-hmm. bolts into your body. That's yeah, you they, have a weird electric orgasm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of, yeah. I think that was my one note. Uh, orgasmic action. That's it. That's uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> my one note about the fighting scenes. But so the quickening, they get the lightning. This is their puberty. So what happens after they're able to defeat another immortal? So if they were to battle. What what's that? There's no word. I think you. That's the quickening. No, it's also it's the, quickening. the same thing. The quickening is two things. Yeah, it's, it's when you meet an immortal and it's when you cut their heads off. No, the, the meeting an immortal is not a quickening. That's just like a weird love tingle. The quickening <laughs> is becoming immortal and then getting more power from killing an immortal. They're the same thing. So I'm right. Well, they should have two so words. We're all, we're all agreed here. I agree they should. We completely understand what the quickening is. But Highlander doesn't distinguish that. They are straight up the same thing. So anyway, Sean Connery tries to talk him out of uh, being in, in a relationship with this woman. He's like, you know, you really should let her go, and then you and I could uh, cozy up in this horribly laid out castle of yours, um, where <laughs> literally, I got I got a break from character for a second to describe the layout, the floor plan of this castle. Imagine like an eight hundred foot tall castle, but the only living space is like fifty square feet on the ground floor, and then nothing else. There's no second story. There's no nothing else. So it's just like, it costs a fortune to heat, and you can't use any of it. <laughs> Don't they have stairs to nowhere? Like stairs yeah, to they have lead. stairs yeah. to nowhere. <laughs> I like to think that Sean Connery was during renovations. Like, he he met a immortal previously, and that's them building the castle. And then the next immortal that he takes on, it's just like, you know, maybe we can build the second floor, you know, get a little uh, a reading room up there. So he's just continually getting new immortals to build out this castle for himself, but... It's early yeah. stages. I like. I think it's pretty clear that his his character's motivations uh, in the film are stated to be, "Oh, I want you to defeat the Kurgan, and it's better if we work together." But there's such this like weird, like I would like to suck and fuck you undertone to their relationship that <laughs> it's just bizarre. Especially again when he starts going on with his wife, it's like, oh, "I would spare you that pain, oh, but immortals can suck and fuck for all eternity." But it, yeah, and Connor's but, not into this, and it so he storms up- off. And it brings up the question of just like, why is Sean Connery doing this? What's what's his motive here? Yeah. Like, why would he train a new Why immortal? is Sean Connery? Well, because he says in one line uh, of dialogue shot in the forest very quickly, uh, or if the Kurgan wins, that would probably be really bad, I would think. <laughs> and then that's that's his entire motivation. It's like, I just don't want this guy to win. Why is Sean Connery in Scotland? Uh, specifically for Connor McLeod. He came there specifically to suck and fuck. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not gay or nothing, but uh... they got real. They got great beaches in Scotland for lots of frolicking, and then we have like yeah. a ten minute montage of them running around with each other on chasing each other on the beach. 
and being really scared when they're up in the mountain trying to fight. Oh, oh yeah. Jesus, I forgot about that. <laughs> does, does anybody actually know what happened when they were on the beach? Because Sean Connery's being like, listen, feel, think about that deer on the hill. Yeah. Can you feel its heartbeat? And then he runs off the beach and Connor McLeod goes, I can't, I can't feel it. And then he runs really fast. Did he steal the power of the deer with his mind to run fast? Or is he just running fast? Because I've heard both. I think he's just running fast. We can't move on until we settle it. <laughs> he doesn't, it's not like he's deer fast. He's just, yeah, he just runs fast. That's it. Not even especially fast for a human. He runs with the power of the stag because Sean Connery has the lead and he's immortal. He's in prime sucking and fucking condition. Best shape of his life, right? <laughs> and he's got the lead, but then Connor McLeod just like runs right past him yeah. with the power of the stag that he stole with his mind, his psychic immortal powers. I don't know. I think this is more of a Rocky and Apollo scene where like it's showing us that Rocky has become even better than Apollo. And that's what we're supposed to, to garner. Did anybody else get that? And that's what I... I don't think I got that sense, That's what I took away from it. But I'd like to talk about the Highlander sequels now and all the crazy batshit (laughs) stuff that happens in those because... Oh, yes, please. I'm actually correct, so... Oh, really? It's not important. We only only care about the first Yeah, but in the the sequels, he is the one, though. He's the only one. So then in the sequels, he presumably has more power than he does... Right after his first quick. Yeah, but I think the powers in the sequels are very weirdly defined because, uh, okay, spoilers, spoilers, everybody. Uh, Sean Connery dies in this movie. He (laughs) dies halfway through. Whoa. So, uh, okay, everybody, you can come back in now. No more spoilers. (laughs) Um, The the Kurgan and and Ramirez fight. He loses, but not before uh, Ramirez cuts the Kurgan's throat. Yeah. Um, but he keeps that scar in the future. Yeah. So that doesn't heal. Is it because it's his neck? Yeah. Because it's scars. Mm-hmm. Apparently. Because it's his so neck. this is part of the theory of what happens with Highland with <laughs> immortals is that their bodies do regenerate everywhere except the neck. So that's it's why like, you don't see like a bunch of immortals missing fingers and hands. Otherwise, you should see a bunch of immortals missing fingers and hands and stuff. And with scars all over. Yeah. Like one of them had to lose an eye at some point. Yeah. yeah. Do we recall anyone else having scars? Any other immortals having scars besides uh, Kurgan? Well, we only met no? three others. So Yeah, there's only five immortals in the entire movie. <laughs> I think there'd be more. But even though they keep telling us there can be only one. <laughs> except for the several that are around for thousands of years at a time. Tom, how well, about, I mean <laughs> Tom, how about you tell us about Planet Zeist since you mentioned uh Highlander 2? Oh boy! I'd rather I'd rather leave that uh, for later okay. when we watch Highlander Two because I know we're going to. But yeah, <laughs> oh, it's safe God. to say like a, a lot of the questions that you ask in this movie, some of them are answered in the second, but then also there's like I bring you back from the dead, Sean Connery, and uh, yeah, it's, it's the, the powers are very strange. So where there was, was the quickening? The quickening could do anything. There was yeah, one so was great the- question that McLeod posed to Ramirez that was very much in the minds of probably all the viewers, which is like. Ramirez, if it just comes down to me and you, are are you going to kill me? And Ramirez just doesn't fucking answer the question. And we're all like, well, what are you going to actually do if it comes down to you two? <laughs> do they have to? Like, he just kind of like starts running through the woods. And this is again, this is my lack of understanding for Highlander. But like, would they have to battle? Like, I know there's the gathering. They there's a tingling, whatever sense that comes over them. They have to get together. But do they have to battle? Like, can't they resist this urge? Like. We get no I think so, of like, because there's well, OK, because yeah. later, because later, later, later when you're there in New York in like present day times, he meets his friend who I assume is just from Africa because he's dressed in kente cloth. And I don't know, but they're just like hugging and they're just no, nice and they're just he's I, Norwegian. Oh, posing okay. as an African. Oh, of course. Just the same <laughs> for the same reason. Sean Connery is Egyptian. Yeah, if Sean Connery is an Egyptian, I don't think we can we could guess anything based on nationality. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. Know. But he meets this guy, and apparently he's this other immortal, and they're bros, and they're palling around, and there's no reason for them to fight at all. Like, why? What's the need for all of this violence? It's only the curtain. I can answer this very simply. Mm-hmm. There can only be one. Oh, okay. and you said it wrong again. <laughs> there can only be one. Only one can there be. <laughs> there can only be one. B one can only. <laughs> yes, thank you. Nailed it. Excellent point. There's um there's incentive for them to work together. Cause like Ramirez wants his like young, naive 
perfectly immortal, frozen in lucite sort of hard body fuck toy that he can just have around forever. If it came down to just them, that's it. That is his prize. Yes. So Ramirez also throws out a bunch of rules uh, or like traditions (laughs) or guidelines. It's not clear either. One of them is uh, no fighting on holy ground. And he specifically says it's a tradition and that everyone will follow it, including the Kurgan. What constitutes holy ground when you've lived for like 20,000 years? Any land that someone finds holy. I would just start making shit up if I was the oldest one. I'd be like, actually, there used to be a animistic temple to the mountain right where we're standing. We can't fight here. Uh, I don't know if you're telling the truth or not, but you are pretty old yeah. and it is tradition. So I guess we can't fight. As is tradition. But it's also ridiculous because why would holy ground mean anything to people who are older than like, say, Jesus? Exactly. They're older than yep. Jesus. And also the story of Jesus would be like, yeah, Jesus rose from the grave. They're like, well, did they cut his head off? They're like, no. <laughs> like, well. So maybe Jesus is the original uh, immortal. But yeah, no, that comes to the point of like, why would the mortals care about worshiping these holy grounds? Like they would just reject it. Just, it, it comes completely back to because- the same problem as Harry Potter Christmas and Harry Potter. Like, why would Harry Potter witches and wizards celebrate Christmas? Of course, they don't believe they're not Christians. <laughs> no, they're they're good Christians. Just like how holy ground in Highlander just means like churches and shit. That's as far as it goes. <laughs> so that's one of the okay. rules. The other rule is that young, supple, new immortals have to learn the ways from an older kind of parental figure. And... Yeah. There's obligations both directions. So, you know, you get something <laughs> from these older guys. You got to give something to them. Tom, can you please elaborate on this this whole exchange, this uh, this well, mentorship I mean, program that they have set up in the for the immortals? It's really just like a, uh, a three-step process. So, like, first step is introduce yourself. You, you jump over uh, the immortal and his wife on horseback while they have been sucking and fucking themselves. You introduce yourself. <laughs> Step two, suck. Step three, fuck. That's it. It's really simple. And anyone can follow these steps to get exactly what you want. You know, McLeod, in my travels, I stopped by Athens. They had a strange custom among the Greeks there, where a young boy would become the lover of an older man. It was quite the advanced culture, if you ask me. That's good. And then cut to them standing on a mountain, awkwardly swinging swords at each other. <laughs> Terrified. Oh yeah, and not not moving, not moving anything from like nipples down because they're terrified yeah, they're of falling t- off of this. There's no safety precautions on they this. Were, hill. They were really high up. <laughs> they, can we, can it was we also talk about the sword, Sean Connery's sword. Which one? His first one or his second one? The one that he. The one that was like a Japanese sword made like way before samurai swords were even six hard six hundred BCE, I think they I think said so, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, go ahead, tell this us from- all about it, Dave. <laughs> so a random genius in Japan made this one sword that's amazing, and then died right after. That that was their whole backstory for this sword. How many how many how many folds did they count? Oh yeah, what did she say? Two hundred exactly. <laughs> yeah, was that that? I believe she said over two hundred, so we can safely assume. 201. <laughs> How does she know that? Well, she had a tiny fragment of it that was embedded in the concrete, and then she could tell how many folds were in oh, it. Oh, right. It's like a tree. She put it into a mass spectrometer, and it said 200 folds, just like it right. would. She's a forensic sword analyst, like every police department in North America has. <laughs> I love the 80s cops in this. That was probably like the highlight for me, I think, is just because they're so incompetent. And they just literally don't care about anything. Once we have that opening scene of uh, McLeod decapitating the other, the other uh, mortal and then trying to escape, the whole force is there, ready to take him down. And then when they're dealing with like the dead body, the one cop's just like tripping over him, spilling coffee. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> just like, doesn't the one cop have like the gun in his yeah, face? Yeah, it's just like, like hot tempered. It's like, oh. <laughs> there's that guy that, there's that, that gross guy that's just eating a bag of Doritos in every scene. Like, <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Oh. The police are not portrayed in no. a uh, positive light in Highlander. Well, and quite frankly, I find that disgusting because I stand with our police officers. Anyways, I'd like to move on to the scene where the Kurgan fights Ramirez. <laughs> Adam, go. I do have a question about this scene, but I'll try and set it up. Ramirez is with Heather. They're sitting at the dinner table. They're just chatting. I think Ramirez is trying to tell her just like, listen. 
McLeod's going to leave you. He's going to live forever. You're going to die. Little sucky, sucky, fucky, fucky. <laughs> exactly. You've got to it's go like, do your mortal sucking fuck while I do my immortal sucking fuck. We can't yeah. mix the two. You know, he loves me more. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Kurgan just kicks open the door. <laughs> just interrupting their conversation. But it's really weird because like, this is, and this is my confusion. Where's McLeod during this scene? Like, there's nothing established of him, like, training or being somewhere. He's just not there. And then the curtain comes in, and I'm assuming because of the quickening two, like, I'm just calling it, like, there's quickening one is their puberty. Quickening two is when they gain power from people. Kurgan has so many quickening two that he's extremely powerful, and he's no match for Sean Connery, who potentially could have been, lo- like, around a lot longer than him. Anyway, they have an amazing sword fight scene. Amazing was in quotations for anybody that's listening to this and not viewing my sarcasm. I, yeah. I think most people. Yeah, no one's but, listening to this. Yes, please continue. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. <laughs> we'll get those views one day. Yeah. But the Kurgan, he's so powerful that the, the castle starts getting demolished around them. Every swing they do just starts bringing down the house. And Heather is so terrified she can't run away, even though uh, Sean Connery is telling her, like, you've got to get out of here. This is, you're going to die I can't save you. I can barely keep my own against the Kurgan. And as they're fighting, castle's getting demolished. Lightning's coming in. You see some people on the set uh, helping out with the explosions. <laughs> and yeah, you can see there's there's a scene where where one of them hits the sword on the they're on the stairs and he hits the sword on the wall. And then you can see a production guy from the set push the stones that are made out of like styrofoam inside. And you can see him quickly like shuffle out of the yeah. You can out of the shot. You can also see his face, and he's not impressed. He's like, "God, this movie's gonna suck." Like he knew <laughs> as he was pushing that stone. I, I don't know. Other great movies like Gladiator has the same problem. <laughs> you can see a production crew in that movie too, and that movie's great. Sure. So I think Highlander has just been brought up to Gladiators. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's Dave's bar. Anywho. <laughs> I mean, so the Kurgans. Tom fully agrees with me. You can't see his face, so you can't okay, see him. Okay. So the Kurgan <laughs> decapitates uh, Sean Connery. He wins that battle. And then that's it. The Kurgan doesn't take Heather as a hostage, uh, which would overpower him in the scenario of him fighting McLeod. Like, he could have got two immortals for one, but the Kurgan just like. He doesn't think that. No, because he, he, he thinks that it's. Uh, what's his. It's Sean Connery's wife. Because he goes, who's the woman? And Ramirez goes, oh, she's bad. We clear- Only I sucking fuck with her. We, no one else. We clearly know that Sean Connery is not into women in this movie. <laughs> just, just based on yeah, well, the, the Kurgan buys. The Kurgan doesn't know that. I don't, ah, and does. also, where who do you think he got his Japanese blade from? His girlfriend's dad. <laughs> Ooh, okay, true. Okay. A little bit of sucky fucky there. I missed it, but yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. Like, see, the- see, I am a deeper. Viewer, I synthesize, I absorb this these films. Adam merely watches. <laughs> Nor yeah. near the level I, of the Yeah, movie. I go in for entertainment and I was not entertained throughout this whole thing. This this fight scene just drags on for way too long and it's not choreographed at all. It's just two dudes walking up a stair, barely swinging their swords around, and then one of them gets decapitated. That's that's it. Because Sean Carter is like 60 years old or something at the time of this. But like, all the this is that's his best. That's the best he can do. All the sword fighting is bad, though. Wasn't his death like so moving? It's kind of like Obi-Wan where like he goes, Kirk, you may strike me down now, but my boyfriend will <laughs> fucking kill you later. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty moved by that exchange. I, was, I thought it, uh, it was a great bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> my boyfriend is way stronger than you. I think all the sword fighting in this movie is pretty awful. Like Even when like the younger guys fight, they're just Oh, well, yeah. And well, he doesn't even say, you're too late, Kirkin. I've prepared him for you. So, <laughs> Everything you know, he says is just like, that. what have you done to this young man, you <laughs> sick pervert? <laughs> you're too late. I got to him first. <laughs> Wait, did we just realize the actual, like, this story is about this Kirkin who's trying to protect young immortals from the sexual advances of this roving pervert? <laughs> My God, I've got to kill the cloud. It's the only way I could save him. I failed the others, but I could save the cloud. And they're dragging him off. He's going, no, not the sucking and fucking. <laughs> if an Egyptian shows up in a purple j- onesie, don't trust him. But he was out of earshot before, before he could warn him. It was too late. 
Honestly, I think I might enjoy that movie more. So uh, there's a big gap here where uh, Ramirez is dead and Connor, uh, like there's a scene where they show, okay, his, his wife dies and she's like, light a candle for me on my birthday, which he does because he's a nice guy. Then it jumps to, if we're doing it chronologically, the bit in France where he gets into a duel does anyone remember oh, that scene? Yeah, I'm this, seeing a lot of puzzled expressions. This is I don't. So we watched. We watched. Did we watch a director's cut? Because I imagine yep. this can't have been the original version, yeah. right? No, no. This was this was always meant to be included. It was in the original screenplay. Oh goodness! Uh, the director talked about it. The executive producers, uh, like some of them, lost their jobs keeping this scene <laughs> in. So let's uh, let's let's break it down really quick. In the future, he's reminiscing with his uh, his immortal friend, being like, "Remember that time when we got drunk?" And he's like, "Yeah, you got into a fight." So he's yes. Co- now yes. it this sinks is, in. This is the comic relief scene where he's dueling with. I have no idea who he is, but he just keeps getting stabbed, falls over, Some French comes guy. up, and just starts laughing. And the guy just keeps keeps dishing it out on him. That's it. I honestly don't know why okay. this scene was in. Here. And that's can you can you tell me exactly how the scene ends? He shoots like his manservant, doesn't he? Yeah, because the man yep. the manservant tries to make like now's my chance, and he tries to make a move on the guy that's like dueling. Right? He tries to kiss him a few times, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. he shoots him and runs away. He runs away and shoots. I don't. This scene is just bizarre. This is bizarre. It's it's further supporting the the greater fucking suck theory is that like there's this weird sexual tension running throughout the ages with all of these immortals, but it's all about cutting people's heads off. That's what's really <laughs> what really gets Am it. I right? If you could live forever, that's all you would do, right? If you were immortal, that's what you would spend your time doing. Sucky and fucky. Sucky and fucky. Yeah, that's that's the important. So my the thing I'm the thing that I'm hung up on with this. So what is so special about these Highlanders? About the immortals? Sorry, there's like so if you if you became immortal, wouldn't you like try to do something with it? You would uh, I don't know master the piano, read a lot of books, uh, master ice carving, punch that dweeb Ned Ryerson in his stupid face. Finally, like <laughs> you would do something. But no, they just spent, they just kind of loaf around the world for the rest of their lives for thousands of years. So apparently like, well, like with great power comes no responsibility at all. They don't make the world a better place. They don't do anything. They're just kind of walking around, yeah. loafing around for the rest of their lives for thousands of years. Yeah. Well, it's pretty. The Kurgan devoted his life to fighting, right? He has his little connectable sword. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. God. Yeah. And uh, like, that's his thing. Ramirez's thing was sucking and fucking. He wasn't the greatest sword fighter, <laughs> but he was the greatest sword fighter. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. See you guys later. The rest of my contributions for the episode. Show me your sword. I'll show you mine. <laughs> but I think that's like my biggest pet peeve with this movie is anybody you talk to, any review you listen to is just some guy saying, oh, it'd be so neat to, to be immortal and to live forever. But we get none of that. In this movie, like we get the concept of it, but we don't we don't see any of the consequences. We don't see them carrying out anything. It's just kind of like Matt was saying, they're just there. They're just hanging out. They're not contributing to society. Are they trying to keep in the shadows so they have like a low profile or what are they doing? Because I feel that if you're an immortal for that long, so the cloud is what, 500 years? I think so. 500, yeah, yeah, about 500 years. Wouldn't he just be like bored? Because you get no satisfaction, no joy out of anything anymore. Like relationships, his first wife died, whatever, passes it off, gets another wife, then another hundred years, she dies, etc. Like he's just going through these cycles. Well, I mean, at least the second one lived to be a hundred. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> eventually the cycles just stop yeah. mattering, right? And like that's something that Ramirez, uh, Ramirez talks about where he's going like, oh, I'm spared from that pain, my boy. My cool girlfriend's dad made me the sword. Check it out. Oh, hold it. Isn't that nice? Uh, now by hold the way, this one. Don't... <laughs> now hold this <laughs> By the way, don't sleep with yeah. mortals. And, and like, okay, so original versions of the script actually had the Kurgan being a little more sympathetic, a little more uh, three-dimensional than two-dimensional mm-hmm. because by the end, uh, in the original script, he just doesn't really give a shit about anything else. It's just the prize that's keeping yeah. him going. Um, if there wasn't anything else, it's like, I'd fucking kill myself because this is all yeah. I care about. And after you've been alive for 8,000 years, what's and I can to- And I can totally yeah, see that do. with an immortal that's lived that long, where it's just like, again, you're not getting any satisfaction out of anything. Let's say you want to become a millionaire. Yeah, you do that in 100 years. Then what? Right? Like, where, what's the next thing? So if it is this prize of being the only one, 
I could see why the Kurgan would want to push for it, why he's trying to slay all these immortals. So I just feel like his character might be a lot stronger than McLeod's at this point. Uh, and like, now I just seeing- want to add that uh, Dave is braiding his hair right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's looking yeah. pretty good. See, Dave, if you could grow your hair out for 500 years and braid it, uh, how how cool would that be? Huh? It'd be pretty sick. <laughs> I have two braids. Yeah, he's kind of going with a whatever the opposite of a ponytail is, where you just have a braid at the front of your head, like a crazy person, like a unicorn. <laughs> it looks great. So. The, the the thing to take away from the, the Kurgan Ramirez fight is that Ramirez is dead and he's never coming back. He's not showing up in a sequel. His head was cut off. That's the only thing that matters in this movie is if your head cuts off. They wouldn't just invalidate that rule in a sequel, would they? I don't think so. No. Well, never. I mean, he so, lives on in McCloud's yeah. uh, head by just periodically re- re-emerging to be like, don't forget McCloud. Once you die, we can fucking suck in heaven. <laughs> yeah, he's a very weird Obi-Wan character because he can just talk to him without any explanation. You're not sure if he's remembering things or if it's actually happening. Right. Because uh, Christopher Lambert's just kind of staring off in the middle distance for most of this movie. Yeah. Because he's immortal and he's seen it. So stoic. Okay, in this scene, look bored. But um, the next scene that we see, McLeod, is uh, 1939 uh, Nazi Germany or possibly Poland. We're not sure. But he's uh, running around, and it's clearly World War II, and he stumbles across a barn uh, where he finds a small child who goes, are you going to hurt me? Oh, my God, everyone's dead. And he goes, you're coming with me, little (laughs) child, before a Nazi's like, stop that kid, and shoots him in the spine. And the kid's like, oh, my God, you didn't die. And he's like, that's some kind of magic. Then he gets up, uh, shoots the Nazi to death. He's like, hey, you're the master race after all. And then uh, picks up the kid, picks up the machine gun, and runs out of the scene. Uh, does anyone want to say what he does with the kid after leaving the scene? She becomes his servant she- or something? <laughs> it's like indentured yeah. servitude. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it, there doesn't appear to be any sucking and fucking because he learned his rule from Ramirez about messing with mortals. But there is this weird like flash ahead. It's 1980s. It's been 40 years. And she's still like working with him as his like mm-hmm. clerk. Were they just hanging out this entire time? It seems like it. And she's yeah, also very she's also giving him relationship advice, which for someone that's been around for 500 years would probably know a lot more. So their relationship is a bit a bit odd because, again, it feels like she's there because she owes him a favor of saving her life, but she can't leave. It's a bit odd because he kidnapped a child during wartime <laughs> and then pressed her into slavery. Yeah. <laughs> It's been 50 years. Isn't this enough? No, no. apparently Keep not. Keep doing my taxes. And that's what Q Ramirez's voice. Oh, find us keepers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's especially fucked up because at the end of the movie, he's like, don't worry. I've given you power of attorney over all my things. And she's like, you're not coming back. Even if you win, you're not coming back. And the panic is there. Like, what will I do with my life? Because you've been guiding and shaping my entire existence since I was four. Uh, and he's just like, yeah, why? <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, he's again. been around for 500 years. Why would he care about humans anymore? Like, why would he care about those relationships? They, they would just mean nothing. Well, it meant something. It meant something enough for him to keep her around. Yeah. That's and, slavery for 50 yeah, years. Yeah. And that's why I'm conflicted with this movie where everyone's saying it's fantastic masterpiece and. We're getting scenes like this, <laughs> which are bringing up Bart. Well, if you're into kidnapping children and then living with them as an immortal till they're 50, and then when they get old, you throw them out because they're gross and disgusting and wrinkly, uh, this is a good movie for you. That's that's what the people want to see, yes. right? Yeah, this guy had to, ha- had to sleep with some really old women in his day, and that's super gross. He's not doing that again. Why do you think Ramirez stopped? Oh. <laughs> Gross. Never again. Give me that sword. And then he left Japan forever. You know what's funny to think? Ramirez, what would you say Ramirez's like age was when he quickened? Because he's got gray hair, right? He's mm-hmm. definitely older than, than McLeod. Say 60. 52. 65. Yeah, he's like he's like 52. Yeah. At least, yeah. Crazy. Because like, what's the, is there a prerequisite like you die basically before the quickening happens? Then we're going back. But that's what happened yeah. to McLeod. I think like we, we have of, to talk about the quickening. He kind of died. Thing. And then after his death he comes back and then he's the immortal at that point so does that it kind of like causes your aging from then i think i guess yeah Yeah, that would be the correct that would be the implication as he aged up to that point so then ramirez would have died when he was in his 50s 
are there were there like a whole bunch of like 85 year old immortals walking around at one point like i died in there's got to be cholera outbreak and that's the thing like what what it what if your death was due to an explosion where you lost limbs you lost your face and then you come back and then the quickening okay well how many explosions were there pre-1900 or 1800 or something. But the thing is, like, you become immortal at any time. Like, we're seeing this, like, the immortals are chosen. I'm not cho- like, not sure if it's chosen, but, like, selected at different points uh, throughout history. So Sure, uh, but by 1980, there's only three left. I think the implication is there's, there's never that many of them. Wouldn't Ramirez, like, keep a journal or something along, along the lines to help guide them? So if he was interacting with other immortals. Dear Diary. I met such a cute boy today. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, anything, because we're just taking Sean Connery's word for a, a majority of these. So maybe he's like an untrust, untrustworthy uh, narrator. He's definitely untrustworthy. <laughs> like, all these immortals are like shitty fucking weird mm-hmm. creeps, right? I've and got such a huge crush on him, but he's dating someone already. <laughs> yeah, yes. wait for them to die that's it good thing i'll live longer than her <laughs> yeah he's the shoulder that they go cry on <laughs> just mcleod i'm totally here for you so uh this brings us up to the modern era which is where uh, the gathering has now occurred all the immortals left on the planet are coalescing mm. some of them fight in uh really dumb places actually i would say all of them fight in really dumb yeah. places yes um, steam factory Back alleys. Do we want to talk at all about Uzi Man, who gets his shit just absolutely wrecked by the Kurgan? Yeah, sure. So we're seeing a Trump supporter, what he looked like back in the early 80s. <laughs> and he's about what you expect. He drives around New York City with an Uzi and has post-traumatic stress disorder. Got to cl- clean up these streets. <laughs> they're In the news, they, they're good. They're like, they make a point of showing like head newspaper headlines throughout the thing that everyone knows that there's a guy that's going around beheading people. In the oh, city, right. so now this like uh, vigilante from Vietnam is gonna from the Vietnam War is gonna go with his Uzi and uh, find this dude, and he just gets his shit absolutely pushed in by <laughs> the Kurgan. There's like a there's like a there's like a thing where he puts his broad like first of all the Kurgan puts his broadsword together that he carries in a suitcase. He just kind of snaps it together like Lego, <laughs> and then he sticks it through the he basically fights this Vietnam guy and like he's holding up holding him up with the sword that's like through his stomach. And then the next scene we see him, he's like in the hospital. He's got a few bandages on. He's fine. He's <laughs> he, lives. He, lives. he lives. Yeah, he survived that. Yeah, he yeah. talks to the cops after that. Yeah. Like he whispers something to the cops and we never get an yeah, understanding I, of it. And the cops like, Oh, Oh. And then end scene. Yeah. But, I thought he, I thought he's in critical condition, like dying in the hospital. And they just no. like get a statement. that's like, leave him. And then we never like hear anything about him. No, again. apparently you can, we don't, we all, well, the movie we also the never, movie doesn't bring that character back in. We also <laughs> never see the cops again either. Right? Yeah, true. Yeah, that's yeah. But that guy lived this another twenty five years and cast a ballot in the twenty sixteen election. So <laughs> you know he made it. Uh, oh fuck! When will people learn democracy doesn't work? <laughs> Only my vote should count. <laughs> but that but that scene is really weird too because. Yeah, it takes place in the alley. He kills the Vietnam, or no, he doesn't kill him. He just stabs him, raises above his head, and like throws him to the wall. And then the Kurgan's literally insane at this point and decides to run into a car with senior citizens in it, tosses out the husband, and drives away with the the wife. It wasn't his wife, was it? It wasn't his mom, wasn't it? Like, I was way younger than that lady. Which guy? No, 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 no. There's there's a couple that pulls up watching this yeah. in the alley and they're in a car. They're they're totally separate, right? It's that old couple. And then he runs in and like peels the roof off or something yeah. and throws the old guy out and then takes off with the lady yelling and screaming. And then she's like on the front of the hood for no reason. Yeah. yeah. How does she go? Sure. Yeah. This is also supposed to be the comic it, relief at this point. <laughs> yeah. It's a What's great that? scene. Like I think they're they're playing yakety sax in the background. Like, <laughs> you don't. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing with that one. But yeah, I know it does. All the car scenes in this are weird because the next time we see the Kurgan in a car is when he's driving and running people over and driving into traffic with the 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 female love interest. Adam, yeah. Hey Adam, do you think yakety sax is yakety yak? Don't call back. Yeah, that's what that's what it is. No. Holy oh my God. Shit. Okay. <laughs> we just found out something hilarious. Oh my God. No, it's that song like where all the British people are running between like doors and like the, there's like a 
uh, still camera in the hallway. The hallway gag, no. Oh, that's Yakety Sack. What am I thinking? Well, you're thinking of something that that goes like a 1950s show back. Yak, don't talk back. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam doesn't know what Yakety Sax is. We just had to educate. Adam, are you an immortal? Can you not remember what's happening? Time is passing at a weird rate for me. I don't really care about anything. Just living forever. Adam, can there be who knows? Who knows? Well, no, there can be multiple because they kept making secrets. But so yeah, like. The Kurgan eventually kills all the other immortals. They meet in a church to talk about things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot yeah, about this. It's, it's pretty. Well, there's not much to talk about other than like Clancy Brown is just going fucking insane while he's in there. They're just like, yeah, uh, this is your last chance to act in this movie before you just have to swing a sword <laughs> and get killed. Go nuts. Well, so he, he shaved his head at this um, point as to be in disguise, and he looks completely <laughs> psychotic at this point. <laughs> And then he reveals that he basically boinked his girlfriend way back in 1570 or something like that. Wasn't that the implication? Yeah. Yeah. He, th- he thought that girl was Ramirez's woman, but it's actually McLeod's. This burn was like 400 years in the making. <laughs> it's a long burn dedication. Like that's the kind of things that motivate immortals. It's like long running pranks on the people <laughs> that they know. Other but like Kurgan is, and after a time, you know, with a sense of scale, everything becomes a joke. It's like I killed your wife one year later. Not funny. Five hundred years later, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tragedy plus time equals comedy, <laughs> as we all know. As we all know. I hope to God I'm not an immortal because I'm just going to be the shittiest fucking dude to hang out with. <laughs> People are going to be trying to cut my head off. It's like Tom, no more jokes. <laughs> Behold, leaded gasoline. <laughs> Um, okay, should we talk about the, the new burgeoning love affair going on? Uh, well, I mean, there's an undercurrent throughout all of this where Forensic Sword Lady is like, are you an immortal? And then Christopher Lambert looking her dead in the eyes with this weird expression going, here is a bottle of brandy from 1736. And it's very romantic. <laughs> so she's tailing him, trying to figure out, like, this guy, like, he's related to this killing and these sword bits that shouldn't exist because she can tell the number of folds by putting it into a mass spectrometer or something. I already made that joke, but I, I just like it so much. I'm telling it again. She's she's trying to figure all of this out. And that's essentially it. There's not much more to it other than Ooh. like, no, they go on a date. once. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're missing. You're missing like the, the key point for them. The turning, the turning point for Heather when she finds out that McLeod's immortal because he gives her a not knife. Heather. This is not Heather. This is somebody else. This is Brenda. Brenda? <laughs> Brenda. It's, Brenda? it's the third Brenda? point. Heather was second Okay, point. sorry. I'm getting all these ladies confused. <laughs> when when McLeod gives Brenda uh, a sword or a, a knife and he makes her stab him. And right after that, she goes, oh, and just starts kidding, kissing him. Like she has this weird fetish <laughs> towards almost killing a person. And that's what that's what get the juices going. Because then we have our weird, awkward, like 10 minute sex scene <laughs> that this movie well, that's, needed that's to have. Well, that's simply the Freudian. That's the Freudian desire of all women to penetrate a man. She got to live it. It excited her sexually. <laughs> Ergo, boinking ensues. <laughs> Logical. That yeah. is. Wow, that's lost. Yeah, classic penis layers. envy. Thank you, Doctor Freud. <laughs> is Christopher Lambert attractive? Is he supposed to be attractive? I don't. I don't quite understand this. It's is impossible to, to tell. Like, it's the eighties. There's no way yeah. to know. I don't, I don't exactly. Yeah, you can't. You can't know. Could we get a quick rundown on the uh, greater theory of eighties attractiveness? Yeah, hot or not? <laughs> the, the theory of eighties attractiveness is that you have no clue who is attractive in the eighties because the style was so god awful that like even attractive women. You only understand or attractive by basic actions of other people because objectively you can't tell because it's yeah. the 80s and they all look like 90s moms that we grew up with. So everyone just looks like a mom that's slightly younger. But even, yeah, she's <laughs> not attractive. And yeah. that's ex- even McLeod's confusing too, right? He's got this like rough, scraggly hair. He's wearing an oversized trench coat. He's got his like faded dad jeans on and like white tennis, tennis shoes. You think a man that's lived for five yeah, so years. Yeah, so he's the male fashion. version. So he's what. He's what 90s dad looked like with yeah. coats that don't yeah. fit and stupid white tennis shoes and <laughs> faded jeans. And so it's the exact same problem just from the female side or the male side, depending on your perspective. He looks like Kyle Reese in Terminator, but like more fucked up. 
maybe more French, maybe speaks a little less English. I think that's what he looks like. And what's ironic in this movie is during the flashbacks, it's very clear when the women are attractive, when they're in like literally filth covered kilts. That's more clear than the 80s. When they're covered in filthy (laughs) soot and just wearing their kilts, you're like, okay, that woman's attractive. And then you cut to the 80s and they have their crimped hair and you're like, I have no idea. I don't know what's going on. Like maybe, (laughs) maybe she's hot. I don't know. Like, remember rope remember when we did robocop the original we're all like what the fuck this woman is a full-blown mom like is this supposed to be an attractive person is the weirdest it's the weirdest thing that just keeps proving itself true and that's and i should say there definitely are like really hot people from the 80s like of course um they're just not many and the ones <laughs> like the 80s just leveled the playing field because everyone looked bad yeah. even the good looking yeah everyone just gets a perm and right. then you go, oh, I don't We know. need another 80s, is yeah. what you're saying. Right. Unless you had a Jerry Cool, then you look fucking good, obviously. But I had a bowl cut. So the uh, the Kurgan and uh, Connor McLeod are, you know, speeding towards their final showdown. The Kurgan captures his love interest, uh, and then they start running people over. They go to the top of the iconic Silver Cup Studios, which everybody knows about in these days. Totally. So iconic. It was supposed to be the Empire State Building, but they couldn't do it. So they went with like just a building with a logo. (laughs) And it's fine. It's okay. I mean, like when they're fighting, there's a bunch of sparks. That's something else we should mention. Every single time there's a sword fight in this movie, uh, there's just like infinite sparks. Connor McCloud like stabs a car and it apparently was just full of sparks because they shoot out. They blind everybody, including the audience, because it's so bright. Did they did they do any research on sword fighting before they started filming this movie? I, don't I think didn't they think did. they think. Have any of you ever I, ever watched the video of what sword fights actually sound like? There's a YouTube video. It's the dumbest sound, but like once you see it, you're like, oh, of course that's what sword fights actually sound like. But it's, I mean, just imagine two chunks of metal hitting each other. It's not the witching. It's not that. It's absolutely <laughs> not that. It's dull and it's the dumbest sound in the world. So I totally get why they have to change the sound. Why they had to add all the sparks, I'm not so sure. Show how strong they are. Yeah. It's just like there's so much, they're so good at sword fighting that just the all of the power, it's just so electric. They took the power of the stag with their mind, <laughs> and by doing so, can swing the sword harder, right? Sure. Anyways, they're at Silver Cup Studios. And they're they're swinging their swords. Connor McLeod wins. There's some things that happen in the middle, but like, I don't know if anybody really gives a shit because like the sword fighting is clunky and yeah. like there's just a bunch of sparks and then some water shows up. Uh, yeah. Everybody's nodding their head in agreement, uh, but staring off in the distance, like they're trying to find <laughs> something to dispute it. Like it's this big scene, but there's nothing there. No. There's nothing there to grab onto. So it ends. Uh, he defeats the Kurgan. Uh, there's the final quickening, which is like a lot of ghosts. Sometimes it's just like electricity and like windows break. But when it's the final quickening, there's ghosts. I think this is the prize, right? Like they keep yeah. kind of obtusely referring to the prize throughout this whole thing. And we don't know what the prize is until this one point <laughs> where all the demons are flying around <laughs> and he's in the middle of the air and you can see the wires that he's hanging by and he's all <laughs> wet and he's having this giant electric orgasm. And then he decides to like provide some exposition on what the prize is where he's just like, I know everything. <laughs> I, hear is, uh, I see this everything. Is just, this is a transition to Mortal Kombat, and this is actually Shao Kahn. And he's just going, your soul is mine. Wouldn't your it make more sense if it's Raiden? Mine. Yeah. <laughs> no, because Shao Kahn gets the souls. All the yeah, souls but Lambert plays no, Raiden. No, that's Shang Shao Kahn is the conqueror. Okay, holy fuck. All right. So 500 years ago, a man named Kung Lao <laughs> was going up against Goro. Goro had never been beaten before. What's hilarious about this exposition dump is that everything that Matt said was happening was happening while literally there's just deafening like sounds, like explosions and electricity. So it's more like, I can everything and I can see it. You can't hear shit. And he's like explaining yeah. every detail about what the prize is. And you're like, I actually kind of want to know about that, but I can't hear anything because you have explosions and demon monsters flying around right now, <laughs> which they never really address. Like what were those demons? Like, no. what, what the hell were they? My guess was the, the previous immortals. But then why didn't we see that before? Yeah, once they did it, like a quickening 
taking another person's powers, why didn't we see those souls come out? Like there would have been some type of connection to this then. And we would be able to understand it where this this last thing, what is it? The gathering? I don't care. Adam, but stop asking questions. <laughs> just just accept it. <laughs> As our resident soul magic expert, Dave, why weren't there souls? <laughs> the court will wait for an answer because this is still called Grindhouse Courthouse. <laughs> uh, yeah. It just, it just is. <laughs> I have no idea. There's, yeah. Well, there's, there's no rules, right? It's just like, yeah. Uh, and, and the director even admitted it. He's like, we didn't know what we were going to do, so we just went for it. And went for it. Looks like a bunch of wires that you can see and uh, a guy who can't speak English going, oh, I know everything. So what does he do with that ability? Uh, even that's, like, giving, that's giving too much credit yeah. to his accent. Even that. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Sorry, Christopher Lambert. I'm sure you speak French way better than I do. But... Um, the movie ends. That's essentially the ending, right? He's sitting on a hill where he's like, we can boink and have kids now. Isn't that cool? And she's like, yeah, I guess. Don't they have sex at the very end? Oh, they definitely boink. But she was like, there's nonstop boink. So I can't stab you anymore? No, it would kill me. <laughs> I got to tell you, that was like a pretty big thing, like real turn on for me. So, <laughs> so Okay, I'm confused now. I don't know because- if this is going to work. Did he become yeah. mortal or wait? See, he's he's mortal yeah. now. Yeah, he's mortal. He can have children. He says, ah, "I can have children." I thought it was just like a bonus. Yeah, I th- he's like immortal with, and he has children. Yeah, because I thought he became like a god where he can hear everyone. He could direct people, and then he could yeah. have kids. And he can make sure that the turtles can talk to the politicians, and the eagles can talk yeah. to the scientists. Yeah. What we and need. The orangutans can talk to the professional baseball players. <laughs> Let me tell you, you people, all these I've been talking together. to all the turtles, and you know what the turtles are telling me? They're telling me I'm doing a great job, and to just keep going. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, very presidential. Uh, so he, yeah, he has the ability to die and have kids, and those kids will go on to continue to have his powers or something. A- Does he actually say he can die? Did yeah, he? I think so. Dylan, I'm more uh-huh. I feel like Dylan, you're like the Highlander expert. I need like confirmation from you. I know that. that about I, I know it because I read it. I can't remember from the movie, but I, I mean, where else would they have got it from? If not having been so in the he movie. can die after this. That's that's, that's the that's main gift. Really? That's the main gift is more. That's the prize. Yeah. You can have death. Okay. Now. Yeah. Uh, you know, just taking your no, own head you off can- is not, Something you can already do. You can have kids. That's different. If I cut my own head off in the middle of a forest, then there's no immortal around to uh, absorb the quickening. Did it happen? <laughs> yeah, bear Who takes knows? it. Ooh. <laughs> bear <laughs> God, I mean, oh my God, I would watch that movie over this. <laughs> Just imagine yes. immortal bear Molly. What's, what's the... <laughs> Well, it's like, uh, what's the level of intelligence required to become immortal? Is it only humans? Are there dolphins whoa, whoa. out there that are, are also fighting for their stupid? own prize? I am saying bears are stupid. But That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> if there's any bears out there who are offended, come fucking fight me. Bears are so dumb, they have to sleep for like four months. And if they don't eat enough food, they just die during their sleep. <laughs> okay, so we've established bears are stupid. Presidents can talk to turtles. Uh-huh. And Connor can die. It, it's very anticlimactic how this movie ends because it's really just like, oh, that was the prize. And then you're like shuffling yeah. out of the theater, which is why it only made like $12 million. And then you're but, like, uh, and then you yeah. say, boy, I hope they make seven sequels and two TV series and four <laughs> books. And actually, you know what? This might be a good place to wrap things up for now because we've been talking about this movie for way too long already. And it is clear that we have not even begun to fully unravel all that Highlander has to offer. We haven't even gotten tired of saying there can only be one yet. So I'll wrap it up for now, but don't you worry, all you beautiful listeners out there, all 12 of you. We'll pick things up in our After Hours segment to discuss even more about the Highlander universe. Because look, this movie is not good, but it is not good in such a bizarre and fascinating way that we just can't stop. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Hit him with that outro, Tom. And with that, the court is adjourned. Come back next time for a new trial with new litigants in the never-ending parade of schlock that is Grindhouse Courthouse. Motherfuckers. How many times do you think we've said there can be only one? 
There can only be one. There can be only one. Oh, there can be only one. Gotcha. Okay. There can be only one, even though the movie shows us that for like 4,000 years, there are multiple. Uh, and he's like, there can only be one. Whoa. There can only be one. There can only be one. People like swords. People like to say there can be only one. Oh. Oh. If you mess up that line one more time, Tom. Uh, no, there can only be one. Only one can there be. You can only have one. Be one can only. Quit my job, just started watching Highlander. Dave, you cannot open a bag of Doritos while you're recording. Born to be kings, princes of the universe. My planet needs me now. When will people learn democracy doesn't work?